Welcome to What's Next, Hornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Hi, this is Tim Venable of Cornette Global. Joining me for this edition of What's Next is Pranav Tiagi, founder, president, and chief executive officer of Tango Analytics. He's here to talk with us about how COVID-19 is changing the world of work, how work gets done, and what that means for corporate real estate. Thanks for being here, Pranav, and if you would, please introduce yourself a little further. Thank you, Tim. Uh, my name is Pranav Tiagi. I'm the CEO of Tango. Um, I've spent the last uh, 23 years now in the real estate industry, the first 10 in consulting, uh, and the last uh, you know, 13 or so years uh, since we started Tango, um, all focused around uh, real estate and how organizations find, use, and dispose of real estate. So really uh, love the opportunity to talk to you, Tyson. Excellent. Well then, let's dive into this topic. My first question, omni-channel work. Omni-channel work is a new term you're using. What does that What does that really mean? Well, you know, everybody has an opinion on how much of a role the office will play in how and where post-pandemic work is done. And you know, if you think about it, there's not really any historical precedent of the environment that we're in. Nothing we can reference back to in the office real estate world in order to better predict the future. That said, there's a general consensus that the future of work will follow more of a hybrid model where work is done both inside and outside the office, which is what we actually are calling omnichannel work. You know, we coined this term because there are parallels to this in the retail sector, where at a transaction level, consumers have a choice of channels, both in-store or delivery or pickup. To be successful in this environment, companies are going to need to both trust and enable their employees. So if you think about this, take it a step further, what it means is on any given day, an individual employee can determine whether they're going to go to work, um, work from home, um, or work with others in a co-working space or any number of other locations to be productive. And this hybrid model can and will necessarily be different for each company and each individual, and will be a complex you know, logistical challenge for most organizations. And we feel that for omnichannel work to actually work correctly, the right sorts of tools are going to be needed by companies that have them manage both their physical and virtual workplace footprint, um, as well as accommodate an individual's choice of how and where they want to work, um, that are accessible from everywhere, and that can be changing and adapting to changing employee needs as this new normal evolves. So once again, omnichannel work is more of our, our way of thinking through what this new normal might be. Okay, that makes that makes good sense. So omnichannel work is the destination, but how do you get there? Well, before we talk about how we get there, I want to be clear, we're not entirely certain exactly how this destination, this final destination will look. Um, so we don't want to be overly prescriptive because what employees think they need or want today may or may not be the same as this pandemic evolves or and ultimately subsides. So a big part of the process is being open and adaptive to shifts in both the environment and your employee requirements. So we see this as a journey um, towards an omni-channel working environment. And we think that probably three phases to this. The first step is planning the return to the office. Um, in this, you know, obviously working from home has its advantages. 
um, for a lot of people and will likely remain part of the equation. But as a lot of research has shown, uh, office is still very much alive and a place to foster connectivity, collaboration, and, and workplace culture. Um, but before asking anyone's employees to return to the office, companies have to focus on safety and well-being of their employees. You know, as you as you talk to employees of your organizations, you'll find that they're very concerned about how space and therefore movement through that space will be managed in an office environment. So obviously, the, one of the first things companies have to do as part of this planning to the return to the office is to find a way to create a safe environment and to communicate effectively with their employees to make them feel safe about returning. Um, a part of this is serving those employees to find out what their concerns are uh, that they have about coming to the office. You know, who, which of them want to come into the office, and who are reluctant for health or other concerns. And there, you have to actually figure out what the demand for offices, and then see how that aligns with the current space that you have, uh, you know, under under contract. Organizations also have to start thinking about, you know, things that they never, you know, focused on: air quality, as an example. Cleaning protocols. I mean, we've all had janitorial services in offices, but now cleaning protocols are critical because how are you going to manage, you know, shared meeting spaces, including conference rooms? Um, also, this whole concept of, you know, you know, offices had these watering holes or dwell points that we used to call them. We used to call them watering holes, right? Where people naturally congregate, like in kitchens and break rooms. How are you going to keep those clean? And if you have other tenants in the building, you have to think about what their policies are and, and what to do with elevators and lobbies and other shared spaces. And then you know, people are also thinking about, you know, some, some concepts like transportation. How do your employees get safely to work? Mass transit, you know, do you run buses? What, what do you do? Right? So focus on safety and well-being, we think is a pretty big, pretty big deal. Uh, and, you know, ultimately you have to figure out how can those people move around inside an office in a safe manner? And that's what tools that are, you know, like we've got a machine learning and AI-based optimization engine that helps you sort of optimize workspace um, while keeping social distancing parameters in place, right? So I think that those types of things are going to be important. The second phase is the actual return to the office. You know, to be successful, um, you know, people are going to have to learn and adapt from what happens when people first start coming in, whether you're an employee or an employer, there's a lot of unknowns and, and technology will have to play a huge role in this formative stage, both for data collection and for analysis of that data as to see what's going on, how your policies are being adhered, adhered to, and then what changes need to be made, both near-term and long-term, um, so, so that you can be prepared for the next crisis that comes along, right? And any data you collect along the way, you know, will help you improve the experience for your employees and make everybody feel safe and productive. Third stage, uh, if, you know, figuring out the workplace of the future. Obviously, the future is, you know, is unknown at this point, right? This is the least predictable stage of this cycle. So many factors will come into play in, in, in this. Um, and, and things will change as employee situations change. So organizations have to be, you know, prepared to be moving away from or disrupting familiar norms and then readying themselves for the future. These include you know, understanding optimal balance between working from anywhere and working from the office, the actual space required for this new normal, uh, flexibility for employees uh, at greater risk, and repositioning what constitutes an employee experience. So there's a, there's a pretty complex answer to that simple question. I just want to make sure I got that across. <laughs> okay, it's a great answer too. Thank you. And that leads, Pranav, to my, to my next question.
You know, occupancy planning is a core function for corporate real estate and has been, uh, you know, for a long time. So in, in today's world, in this new environment, how can companies develop an occupancy plan that takes into account the requirements for social distancing that you mentioned, plus the fact that, again, employees might work, want to work part of the time in the office or part of the time from home? Yeah, that's a great question. There's not an easy answer to this one. Um, this is something we as an organization are wrestling with as well, because we've identified blind spots you know, in the industry that no one can effectively assess the efficacy of any social distancing policy and procedure in real time. So to address this gap, you know, we have our own R&D think tank uh, called, called Tango Labs. We have joined forces with PricewaterhouseCoopers Emerging uh, Technology Innov Innovation Group to launch a joint offering that delivers real-time monitoring in three key areas. One is social distancing, the other is occupancy, and third is space utilization. You know, we feel this capability will be pivotal uh, in improving short-term safety while also informing longer-term strategies for the office of the future. The biggest challenge for companies is to figure out how to marry the demand for space with the supply of real estate that they actually have. You know, how many employees do we have? What their roles are? What is their individual situation against the office space that we currently have under leaves or ownership, right? It's not that simple because employees requirement tend to be fluid, uh, but most companies are dealing with a fixed real estate situation. It's not like I can shrink or grow my real estate portfolio, you know, on, on a whim. The demand side, you have to assess both the situation that the employee has at their level, but also organizational and department needs. As an example, for an individual employee, you need to ask questions specific to their personal situation. Do they have health concerns? Do they have childcare concerns? Maybe they live with an elderly parent um, or relative. Do they travel to work on mass transit? And that gives them concern, right? On the flip side, from a company or organization's perspective, you've got to understand the individual functions and departments and the roles that exist within those functions and departments and what parameters of each of those roles uh, that define who needs to come back and how often and how much space they're going to need, right? So it's not a simple, simple challenge. Additionally, you know, we have to think about employees a little bit differently. We have to start thinking of them in terms of personas, almost like a marketing context, uh, based on how they work and how they collaborate with others as they work. For example, we're a software company, um, and uh, developers tend to tend to be those types of people who can who have to collaborate with other people. Uh, understanding requirements and design and things like that. But a salesperson could work from anywhere, right? So for each persona, you have to figure out, are they an individual worker? Do they have to have a team around them? Do they move around in the office? And then based upon that, you know, companies will begin uh, assigning sort of target in office percentages for each persona. On the supply side, you have to look at your existing space uh, through a lens of new rules and new requirements, such as physical distancing. You know, under physical distancing requirements, you need to also effectively eliminate space that cannot be used. Uh, and you need space optimization tools to sort of understand what you can and cannot do. So I think combining the demand and supply together is what's going to get you to your initial occupancy plan, right? But what's important, uh, and I want to make sure I emphasize this, is that this plan cannot be a static plan. It will have to evolve uh, once organizations are back in the office you know, and get a better sense of what's working and what isn't. It will also evolve with employee requirements, which can be fluid. And obviously, it will evolve with the results that you see from this, right? So there's a lot of fluidity to this process. Exactly. Okay. 
So when a company first returns to the office, what specifically should it be monitoring and learning from as a means to help design that office of the future? Yeah, you know, ability to get back safely into the office uh, and monitoring that safety is a pretty significant lift, um, uh, especially if you don't have efficient and scalable uh, tools in place. And the complexity of what we're trying to coordinate, you know, from a demand and supply perspective that we just talked about, it actually makes this exercise essentially uh, impossible without the right types of systems um, and monitoring uh, uh, tools in place. A lot of companies are talking about, you know, how to capture data to identify who's sitting in a space, where they're at, you know, do they have hotspots in, in an office or social distancing type issues. Um, and it's not an easy problem. So what we have done, as I said earlier, we've partnered with PwC to cover both the strategy and the technology side of this issue. Um, as we sort of get back on our own back to work journey, you know, we're working, we keep taking our own office as a guinea pig or a test bed. You know, for this uh, for this initiative, the first thing uh, is you know uh, that we have to kind of focus on is apps that are focused on the employee. You know, uh, apps that an employee can use to share their status on any given day, confirm whether they're coming into the office or not, and so on. Second, we have to have you know you know sensors and other devices uh, set up you know throughout the office from an IoT perspective. Um, and we have, we have actually looked at a diverse set of sensors and we have settled on a few of them based upon strengths and weaknesses. Uh, we've decided uh, that we're going to, we have, we're actually in the process of installing Wi-Fi sensors, LiDAR, uh, blurred image cameras, as well as, you know, Bluetooth so LE uh, sensors in the office. And because each of these sort of provides a little different variation of data and, and with a little different variation of accuracy and, and usefulness. Our focus uh, is to create actionable metrics within the system, particularly centered on employee safety. For example, how do I get from point A to point B in the office at any given point in time, such that I can maximize social distancing and minimize risks? You know, if you think of that problem, that takes a combination of sensors, uh, of understanding where other employees are, of understanding what areas in the office are actually currently occupied and how and how densely occupied. And then navigating from point A to point B in the safest possible way while staying away from those hotspots. So I think that's a pretty complex uh, problem to solve. We're also trying to understand the effectiveness of our own policies. You know, the data we were, we were capturing allowed us to measure um, that, 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 that effectiveness. And then based upon those, those results, we want to be able to change our policies and reinforce communication and change management across to our employees. As an example, if you start to see that certain areas in the office become, you know, you know, watering holes or gathering areas in the office, you know, beyond cafeterias and things like that, we can communicate effectively to employees on what they need to do on a real-time basis. And then ultimately, contact tracing is critical for employee safety. We want to understand if someone um, who's been infected and came into the office, who else did they come in contact with? What activities did they involve themselves in while they were in the office and who was around them? That perspective is critical. Obviously, there are privacy concerns around contact tracing that we are working uh, through as well. Lastly, from a real-time occupancy perspective, we need to look at how many people are in the office at any given point in time, what spaces are being occupied, who's in them. We also want to understand how people are moving throughout the office during the day so that we can make real-time decisions and, and understand sort of potential risk. Uh, part of making changes, you know, like we are making, 
uh, is ensuring effective change management and communication. That's that's absolutely critical. We've been on a journey ourselves of communicating with our employees over the last several months, and expect that to increase in intensity, not decrease, as as time comes along. Excellent. Okay, thank you. And now, Pranav, my last question. It's still early days, but if you were asked to predict or forecast some of the changes companies might want or need to make in their workplaces and in their overall corporate real estate portfolios, what might those be? You know, that's the million dollar question. Obviously, it's very hard to predict You know, the future, even once COVID is long gone, there'll always be concern based upon this experience of what's next. So prioritizing an office that is focused on the health and safety of employees, I think is gonna be of paramount importance. One area that we feel is receiving a lot of attention is air quality and the need to redesign you know, air filtration systems to bring more fresh air into spaces. Um, there's also now more incentive for owners and developers to create more outdoor space, including rooftops and patio and other spaces that can provide you know, fresh air and, and other sort of uh, environments for employees. Um, additionally, you know, I think to reduce opportunities for surface to person transmission you know, going forward, we think office designers will try to eliminate shared touch points where possible through, you know, doorless, you know, bathroom entries or or touchless switches that allow you to open doors by waving rather than pushing a button. So I think there's some changes that are already happening. You know, we made some changes in our own office as an example. And of course, we're going to have to talk about the omni-channel or hybrid workplace, uh, workplace, which is where we started this conversation. Prior to COVID. Uh, if you have read you know, some of the some of the news stories out there, there was a lot of movement back to the physical office, which we saw companies like Yahoo and HP, you know, make big announcements uh, about bringing people back into the office. You know, people who are used to working from home, with the belief that remote working had a lot more downsides than upsides. In particular, organizations like Yahoo and HP felt that the way people work, as well as the standards of behavior that create a, a culture, social cohesion, cohesion. And, and shared trust, those are best preserved when people are working together in the office, not when people are working remotely. Um, they were worried about you know, two separate cultures emerging, one for those people who are in the office and one those who are working remotely. That said, I think it's likely, that, uh, likely safe to say that some of the hybrid workplace will prevail when all this is said and done. I don't think we're ever going to go back to a 100% office-based uh, work environment. While there's some talk out there about reduction in office space requirements as a result of uh, work from home type initiatives, one thing that people are not certainly thinking about in that conversation is that one of the requirements of COVID um, uh, and, and the current normal is that organizations need to de-densify as well as create more collaborative and healthier working environments. And you think that is going to offset the reduction in demand in terms of how much space is needed in the office. You're going to need more space to seat a fewer number of employees than you did earlier. And the one thing we did learn from pre-COVID return to the office movement is that the office still plays a significant role in both corporate and employee well-being and productivity. So it seems that while most employees uh, welcome flexibility to work from home when needed, uh, we believe there's still a strong desire to be the office the majority of the time. I don't expect that to change um, in, in the near future. Exactly, okay. 
Well, this has been great. Uh, Pranav, you've shared some excellent insights on a wide range of topics uh, of great interest to our members. So uh, thank you very much for speaking with us today and, and sharing these insights with Cornet Global. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.